Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we had two new episodes. One of them was this month's episode of Blended, and we talked all about veterans, their experiences both in military and civilian life, the challenges involved in re-entering the workforce, supplier diversity, and what organizations can do to support veterans in the workplace and bridge that gap. It was a fascinating episode, so I hope you all enjoyed it. We also had Sifted on the website, and they were talking all about auditing your parcels. And the platform and the technology that they have available to shippers to do an internal scorecard as well as an external scorecard and the data analytics that they are providing shippers are changing the game on how you're going to be able to view what you're doing in parcel shipping. So hopefully you catch that one as well. But if you missed either one of those, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com or anywhere that you subscribe to the show. And it was episode 230 for Sifted and 231 for Blended. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community. New innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Throughput.ai puts industrial material flow on autopilot by leveraging existing enterprise data. Throughput's AI software predicts demand, reorients production capacity, reassigns warehouse space, and reorders materials optimally more than five times faster than leading contemporary solutions. So businesses minimize over-promising and under-delivering. Sign up for a free demo to see Throughput in action. Visit throughput.ai. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It is the beginning of Thanksgiving week for our audience in the U.S., and so I hope that you're gearing up for a short week, and I hope that you enjoy some time with your family and friends at the end of this week as well. We've got a bunch of really, really awesome live shows that we are doing monthly from Logtech Live to Sustainability with Topple to Coming in Hot with Abby Baird. And of course, I go live every single Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. And we're having a great time producing some amazing content and we're getting some incredible feedback from the community. If you miss any of those, just go over to the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube page and we've got everything there for you. So now today's episode is going to be a little different to usual. Instead of putting the spotlight onto an industry brand, I'll be joined by a special guest to talk about a timely topic in supply chain. My special guest is a good friend. He's a company founder and CEO, and any idea who it might be? Well, I will reveal that after the question of the week. And the question of the week that we had was a poll, and we asked you, is it too early to play Christmas music? 524 votes came in, 59% of you said yes, wait until December, 34% of you says never too early, 5% says Mariah Carey is the queen, and 3% was other. Uh, Nicholas says week of Thanksgiving is the unofficial official start for Christmas music. Interesting. And uh, Andy's 
says, Remembrance Day needs to be respected first. That's right for those of us in Canada. Krissa, nothing makes me feel more like Scrooge than seeing Xmas merchandise on sale too early and hearing holiday songs two months in advance. Jorge, Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree. We love that. Michael, I am not sorry to want to enjoy the holiday of Thanksgiving after Halloween. They should just stop moving Christmas further and further away from the 25th. I agree with that. Amanda said, I started in October and Mark Christmas weighed in and said, with my surname Christmas, everything is always good all times of the year. Laura says, sometimes mid-July and Nick says, my son, my son has been singing Christmas songs since he could talk. Amazing, amazing. Audrey Ross weighed in. We have Remembrance Day on November 11th. In my ideal world, stores would wait until November 12th. And then obviously, Mariah Carey is queen. I love all of that. Thank you guys so much for everybody who weighed in on our question of the week. We do ask that every single Wednesday morning across our social media. So go and weigh in and be part of that conversation. Now back to today's podcast and which supply chain export expert is joining me today? Well, it's Brian Glick, founder and CEO at Chain.io. Today, we're going to be talking all about what to do when times get tough in supply chain, just like they are right now. Brian will be sharing his insights on getting back to the basics, refocusing on process, and remembering that being good at execution is a core competence that can set you apart from the competition. Before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Brian. Brian Glick has made a career of simplifying complex supply chain and trade compliance IT challenges. Whether analyzing complex coding issues or rationalizing the compliance impacts of a vendor direct dropship program, Brian brings a rare combination of executive perspective and deep technical knowledge to today's supply chain challenges. From the early days, web-based visibility platforms and into today's cloud revolution, Brian has been an active leader in each phase of the connected supply chain evolution. With a focus on retail and apparel supply chains, Brian has brought his expertise to bear as an IT leader both within logistics service providers and through independent software companies. So welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you back on the show. I mean, you've joined me a few times before. I've joined you on yours. You've also joined us on Blended and on my very special 200th episode. And so I'm sure all of the listeners know by now that you're a great friend of mine. So it's always a pleasure to get together like this to chat and talk about what we do best, which is supply chain. So let's dive in. So at the end of 2020, so many of us were all so optimistic, right? We were thinking how different things would be by the end of 2021. But here we are. And I mean, I don't think either of us can believe it. And we're so far away from normal. I mean, what happened? Why do we find ourselves in the position that we're in? Oh, boy. Uh, well, since since we have a supply chain audience, I'm not going to recount all the bloody mess that we've all been going through. But uh, but I guess what I will say is I think we've all learned that there are not simple solutions to singular problems when you have um, a supply chain. I, I saw somebody on LinkedIn the other day said, it's not a supply chain, it's a supply network. Right. Uh, and I thought that was a really important point that 
all of this is interconnected and what we what we where we've tried to solve point solutions we now have to look at the holistic system absolutely and i was talking about this with with audrey ross the other day as well is that there are so many different people that are saying you know, different things about the different challenges that we're experiencing, right? It's a trucker shortage. It's a warehouse labor shortage. It's a warehouse space capacity issue. It's an empty uh, issue. Like there, there's so many different things. The, the vessels are in the ports and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm even hearing some crazy stories that brands are willing to send people. I mean, people that they know, not just anybody. So before anybody goes and starts calling all the retailers, um, but the people that they know to send them business class tickets, to fly them over to Japan to pick up merchandise and bring it back because certain people need it, like celebrities, or they need it on the shelves or things like that. I mean, we're even hearing about crazy stories like that. So even crazier, that's been going on for years in the fashion <laughs> business, which is where I spent a lot of my time. That is actually not a weird thing to have happen. <laughs> so. I thought it was, but apparently. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm sure it's being done now for a lot of things that it wouldn't have been done for before. But uh, sending someone to pick something up for a show in Milan is not a weird thing. <laughs> Well, and then, you know, I'm hearing of retail brands coming together and collaborating, maybe not competitors, <laughs> but retail brands collaborating and renting um, or leasing, I guess, planes once mm -hmm. a week to get their merchandise over here for the holidays and stuff like that, too. So there's there's a ton of different things, you know, um, they're also I heard also I think it's the Port of Philadelphia is extending credit to anybody who can't pay the detention and demerge charges because the fees are just so high which yes. generally they were on cod correct uh generally but yeah that's um it's certainly unprecedented times um i was yeah. just as you were talking i was thinking about there's a book uh that if anyone in business hasn't read this book it's from 1984 it's called the goal uh by uh eli goldratt and the goal is about it's it's a novel about essentially a guy taking over a factory and learning that you can't just work on each machine you have to look at the whole system of the yeah. factory and that same principle can be extended out to the supply chain that you can't say i'm just going to look at the trucker shortage or i'm just going to look at the chassis situation or i'm just going to look at the fact that uh, the carriers are motivated to load ships in Asia, even though they know they're not going to have a spot for them to to berth in LA. Uh, that if you don't look at the whole system, you can't see the real problems. Right. And it's so true. It's so true right now. Very, very true. And I mean, it doesn't mean that just stacking containers is going to, you know, save the day. Um, so even though we're drowning in disruption right now and firefighting, right? Like this isn't, that, that's a word that I've been hearing for, from shippers across the industry. You've said that now is the right time. In fact, it's always the right time to get back to basics. And we're going back to one of your posts on LinkedIn that you posted a couple of days ago. What do you mean by that? And how do we know if it's time to really get back to basics with our business? And how do we even, like, where do we even start with that? Um, so one thing I'll say right off the bat is it's very easy for me as someone who isn't processing shipments anymore to say that. Right. right. So, so I'm saying it with absolute empathy for all of the people who are drowning in work. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, what, what I mean by that is if 
we said there was going to be a two to three week disruption. So if we look at something like the the last time we had a port strike in LA, you just dealt with it. You muscled through. But when we're talking about a 24 or 36 month disruption, and we know that at the end of it, the world will be different. Right. You can't, you can only, you can't sprint a marathon and you can only sustain the bad business processes or the broken things so long before you're just going to collapse, right? right? And whether that's your business collapsing or whether that's you personally collapsing, um, you know, that, that you have to actually sit down and say, I know everything's broken. I know that these, you know, these containers aren't going to move anyway. So let me take an hour out of my day and go to that IT meeting and actually have the conversation about how can we make sure that Q2 of next year, we're not, I'm not still in the same pain in my job that I'm in now. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm also talking about risks, right? Like the supply chain risks that we had pre-COVID and the supply chain risks that we have right now has have changed. And I think organizations are also thinking about what kind of risks are we willing to take now versus the risks that we were willing to take before and which ones are we not? And I think that that's really going to be, that's going to spearhead a lot of conversations within organizations as to, you know, shortening supply chains, leaving them as they are, you know, obviously not making them longer because I don't think anybody could stand that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think, I think that part of that is, we as an industry, at least for as long as I've been in this industry, have been focused on fast and cheap. Yeah. And where anywhere I've ever encountered, given the choice, you usually end up going towards cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that's just in time inventory or whether that's, you know, fast was sort of a way to get to cheap. Um I think that's where the the shift might be a little bit is looking at your supply chain and you know not just paying lip service to things like resilience and yeah. to the fact that you know we, when I was in the spent when I spent more time in the customs compliance world we used to tell customers okay do all of this work up front and it's going to cost an extra two hundred thousand dollars this year but it's going to save you a three million dollar penalty. Right. And the only people we could ever sell that product to were the people who already got the three million dollar penalty, <laughs> right. because everyone else is like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, and then they would they would just do the thing, and then, um, you know, later we'd come back and sell them the thing. But I think we've all now gotten that same theoretical penalty in our supply chains, and so now everyone is willing to listen and say, well, you know we can't have this happen again in two years. So let's make sure we're more diversified or we, you know, have, have assessed our supply chain with a more balanced scorecard. Right. And so, you know, if businesses are looking to go back to basics, what are some of the quick wins? Like where, where would you sort of suggest that they start? Uh, I would say sit at someone's desk who's actually doing the work if you're not yes. doing the work for a day. I love that. Um, you know, and, and what you're going to see is, uh, you know, somebody said to me the other day that, that a booking that used to be two emails is now 50. And my first question to them was, why was it two in the first place? Right. Um, but, <laughs> right. But that if you looked at that, uh, 
what's still running, what's running through email that doesn't have to uh, document automation, uh, the amount of, you know, if you're a forwarder, the amount of quality in the robotic process automation tools and the PDF management uh, and, and data ingestion is so much higher. Uh, pricing engines are very hot with the large freight forwarders right now and, uh, you know, optimizing quoting processes. So if you just look at these things that we've all known have been messy, it's not rocket science to figure out where people are spending a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And there are, there really are low hanging fruit in those areas that don't, and, you know, and the things I like about things like document automation and is, you don't have to get your extended supply chain to come along on the journey with you. Right. If you go to implement a new vendor portal and a new PO management process, those are all great, but they're like big multi-party projects that take a long time. Mm-hmm. Getting a better PDF tool, you could just do it. Right? right. And and it's like and, and that's where I'm talking about the basics. Like, let's just get this data ingestion a little bit better, or let's just cut some time out of the quoting process. Right. Or let's go use a, you know, a lightweight visibility tool to so that because we're logging into the port website 400 times a day across, you know, six people right now. Yeah, it's so true. And then the data that comes from that, right? Like you can start with those things, you can implement them. They're going to make the processes easier. They're going to bring efficiency to your teams. But then on top of that, then you, I, I would I would assume the next thing to look at is your your data, you know, making sure that you've got good data versus bad data. And what's the data that you need to be able to make you know, those kind of decisions that are not reactive that we're used to in this industry, right? We're used to being reactive. And now our customers, like the the shippers and everybody in the industry is sort of looking to everybody else and all the vendors and the freight folders and everybody to be more predictive. And how are you going to help me be more predictive so that, that we don't get into this situation again? Yeah, I think that when it comes to data, the first step is to, like you said, get data in the first place, right? Get yeah. good data. Um, and that's a really good place to start. Uh, I think the second step when it comes to analyzing data or evaluating that data is, you know, there are now tools out there, you know, especially from the visibility platforms, but also from you know, the ERP vendors from, you know, on the warehousing side, there's lots of this as well, but like where you don't have to do it all yourself anymore. You don't have to just stare at this mountain of data. You can put it into tools now and those tools are maturing to the point where, you know, and I, and I wouldn't say this is accessible to everyone in the industry yet. So if you're small or you're doing, you know, a couple thousand shipments a year, you're probably still going to live up a bit in Excel and you may be able to, that, that may be all you need is like, hey, let's just put this all in and make us make a scatter chart and see what we can see, right? Yeah. That's, that is data science at a certain level. It's very basic, <laughs> but, but, you know, you can, you can right size this. And if you're, you know, a top 50 shipper on, you know, you're certainly gonna go, you leverage all these tools and, you know, have your own data science team. So, uh, yeah, start by getting good data. And and one thing that I always remind people just whenever I'm having this conversation is make sure you know what that data means. Hmm. Uh, you know, Thomas, who runs the DCSA, always likes to use the example of, you know, def- trying to define the word arrival date consistently. Uh, you know, <laughs> is that the arrival at is that when the ship dropped anchor? Right. Is it when the is it when the ship arrived? Is it when the bill of lading terminated? Is it when the product was in the warehouse? Was it when the product was available to be sold? 
yeah. uh, from the warehouse, right? Those are all different dates that people call arrival dates. So doing that good data hygiene to make sure you know what you're talking about is also really important. That is that is huge, right? Because I remember my time in operations and handling some import shipments. The ETA, the estimated time of arrival, was always when it was going to hit like the Toronto terminal. And then it shifted sometimes to when it was going to hit the warehouse. <laughs> and so you're right. We also, as forwarders back then, had different um, different opinions as to what that ETA was. And it varied by person in, even in the import department. So how could our customers even know what we were talking oh, about and, if and, we shifted the goalposts? And often for very good reasons. I mean, you, if you have a, two bills of lading and one of them is a door move and one's a port to port mm -hmm. and you ask the people who issued those bills of lading, what the ETA means, and, you know, and they're defining it by when their responsibility ends those are, you know, one's going to stop you at Vancouver and the other's going to stop at Toronto. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a big difference. Those, those, are, those cities are not close <laughs> to each other. That is a <laughs> so, very big difference. That's like a $12,000 trucking yeah. <laughs> difference. <laughs> at least, at least. And one of the other things that I've, I've learned more recently about data too is that you can also spell something different. So like, you know, you can, or, or you have a different definition of a specific product that varies between three people in your company. And then you've got a massive data problem because they've classified it in three different ways. And you have to like really manage that data to make sure that it's good. Yeah. And, and from a master data, there's, there's always a couple of things that uh, and I'll speak of this a little bit more from the forwarder perspective than the than the shipper, but product masters and keeping those up to date with your customer, but also uh, legal entities and companies is is mm -hmm. a big deal, right? Like, so what is the um, what is the company that you're actually doing business with versus the company that controls the business? Uh, we get into this all the time, and it's a really complicated conversation that we have with a lot of customers, which is if you've got big box store X who's controlling a bunch of freight, but you're direct shipping from one of their vendors to a DC that's managed by a 3PL, that big box company X may not be anywhere on that bill of lading. Right. But you have to know that that's your customer. So being able to categorize and having conversations around that uh, certainly is not this. This gets into the stuff that isn't great to do in the middle of a crisis necessarily <laughs> is stop your whole company to, you know, talk about individual client profitability matrices. But it's important stuff. But that probably is a good example of like, these are really important conversations you have to have, but maybe not this month. Right. <laughs> As versus I'm logging into this website 25 times, which yeah, is yeah, really yeah. important right now. Right now. Yeah. And well, and I think putting it on the roadmap for maybe March or something <laughs> to have those conversations. And I know now even some of the conversations within the shippers are, you know, we're looking at holding inventory where we never used to look at holding inventory of a particular product. And now we have to have those conversations. So there's a lot of conversations around process. And like you said, making it more efficient, taking a look at those tools that can help you do that really, really quickly and have some quick wins that I think are super important. I think the other thing to think about is that sustainability is also going to be driving these conversations. Maybe not today, but put it on the roadmap for March because 
because those sustainability strategies are all-encompassing in your supply chains, because supply chains have a really big impact to those strategies. And one of the one of the articles that we talked about today was that Google is going to start um, start uh, their search function, their travel function, and their home function all around sustainability. And so you might not think that that's something really big or something to think about as an organization in supply chain right now, but if they're going to channel content around uh, sustainability and make that a priority, it's definitely something that you need to start thinking about as to what your strategy is and how you're going to incorporate because your customers are going to start asking. You're not going to be able to be searched right if you're if you're not thinking about your sustainability strategy and what you can what you can give them so just something i wanted to throw in there so a couple of a uh, couple of things that about that uh, first i think one of the great things about being in supply chain is that sustainability does often align really well with doing our jobs in a good way because yes. cost and sustainability mm-hmm. sustainability largely is about reducing the amount of energy we're consuming in one way or another. Yeah. Um, and when you're doing that, you're also running a more efficient supply chain. So we happen to be in a really good situation in that our goals are aligned. doesn't make it easy. Right. Um, but that that's always the good news, right? Ocean's better than air. And we all caught that is already reflected in cost as well. Mm-hmm. So, so we do have, we don't have to fight a lot of times against sustainability. If we do our, if we go back to the basics and get the basics of our supply chains running well, that often helps with sustainability. Uh, the other one to think about is I was having an, a conversation with a software company recently who helps brands put carbon impact offset pricing on their website. So okay. I want to pay, you know, I'll pay an extra 87 cents to offset the carbon of the delivery. Uh, and what I was discussing with them was what about all of the carbon in the inbound supply chain from the sourcing side, right? You know, being able Mm -hmm. to start developing and, and I know there are companies that are already very good at this, but I don't think they are exposing this information to the consumer. Uh, And I could see this happening because we saw the same thing on ethical sourcing, right? Which is companies that come into the space uh, especially in apparel and have said, you know, I'm going to show you my whole supply chain or I'm going to show you, you know, see it in food as well, you know, fair trade and the like, uh, to be able to start being able to see not just the carbon footprint of the delivery to the consumer, but of your sourcing and then your second and third tier suppliers sourcing processes. Yeah. Right. Because that's where, I mean, the the delivery from a DC to someone's house that's ten miles away is, uh, you know, is is the tip of an iceberg. Of, mm-hmm. you know, you look at you always see those crazy maps of like the, you know, the piece of fruit that's harvested in South America is sent to China for packaging and then sent back to South America to be sold. Right. Right. And you look at that that amount of carbon mm-hmm. is is just massive compared to getting it from that store to the person. Yeah. Well, and I know in the food supply chain, they're actually looking at vertical farming and doing it closer to the grocery stores so that they can um, reduce, obviously, their carbon footprint and the lengthy supply chain. So like you said, they're both working in tandem in that kind of scenario because you're de-risking the supply chain and you're able to reduce your carbon footprint at the same time. 
And my 13-year-old son is doing a six-week immersive on that in school right now. So the good news for the future is this is what the kids are learning about in school. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so there is hope for the next generation. Well, and then, you know, we've we've got a partner as well, Topple. They do blockchain in sustainability. And so what you were saying with the sourcing, and they're, they're actually bringing that onto the blockchain as well. So there's a lot of really cool companies doing some great things in this space, but wanted to bring it up just as you're having these conversations around your supply chain and looking to the future of that strategy and processes and what you want to put into place, just definitely something to think about. And I think also going back to the basics and part of moving this, what seems impossible boulder (laughs) uphill is also collaboration. So talk to us about that. How do how do organizations, how do companies come together? I mean, I talk about this all the time. Collaboration is the future of business. I want all departments talking to supply chain. I want supply chain talking to all departments. But, you know, there's still some room to grow there. We're still seeing silos, but we want to encourage them to join up and working together. So talk to us about any tips you might have for that. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... One tip is being able to speak to other departments in their language. Uh, yeah. I was lucky enough this year that we, we have a, a salesperson on our team who actually comes from the uh, marketing uh, tech side of the side of the world and, and has worked on a lot of launches for web portals and et cetera, you know, on the marketing side. And when we talk about to supply chain professionals, he's able to say, hey, you know, you're marketing department is having meetings that you're not in to talk about building next quarter and next year's promotions. If you go into them and you talk about all of the stuff you talk about, they're not going to understand. But if we can, if, if, if you can educate yourself a little bit on how they measure their part of the business, you can help educate them on how to collaborate better on making sure that promotions are going to align to the product you can deliver. Um, and that, we all have to meet in the middle sometimes on that business language, even within companies. And then similarly, when you're looking at working with three PLs and four PLs and uh, you know all sorts of service providers is remembering that they sometimes get a little bit focused on their piece of the business and don't see everything you're seeing, yeah. right? So being able to express to them, okay, uh, like we had one one customer who they had all of this product backing up at the ports in China and the 3PL thought they were doing their job and was essentially just getting whatever container they could on the ship. And they were actually delivering to Walmart replenishment product when they had yet to ship the store setup, the oh. initial product sets. Right. And so Walmart said, like, what do you want me to do with this? I can't, I, you know, like we can't do anything. And it was uh, really a lack of communication with between the the brand and the 3PL to say, okay, it actually matters. You can't just get all this product here as fast as you can. You know, it's the, the sequencing here matters and, and, and whether, you know, wherever the fault was in that process. And I, I only know about this sort of conversationally, but like wherever the fault was, ultimately the result was bad. So yeah. the breakdown in being able to express priority and ranking of containers, uh, you know, 3PL probably felt that the person sitting in China doing the allocations probably was like, hey, I got your container on a ship. You know, I did my job, but it didn't solve the problem. And so bigger business context, you know, you got to bring your partners in. And this is where the word partner matters a lot. 
Yeah. And that collaboration, I'm going to go back to data for just a minute. You guys mm -hmm. are probably tired of me saying <laughs> data, 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 data. But I was having a conversation the other week about data and how important the data that you're collecting means for the collective whole. So not just your organization and creating efficiencies and being predictive, but being able to provide that data to your partners and the companies and organizations that you're collaborating with to make it easier for them as well. One of the examples that they were sharing was that um, they can provide businesses with last mile delivery data on a variety of different data points. And so when their customer sat down with like, let's say FedEx or UPS and was able to give them the information as to what's working for them internally, what's not working for them internally, and how is that impacting them externally, they were actually able to make the FedEx and UPS process that much easier and that much more efficient. So it was a win-win scenario for both. So when we talk about collaboration and we talk about speaking their language, we're also talking about getting the data so that everybody can win. And I think that's one of the things that isn't discussed as much when we talk about data. Yeah. And, and connectivity, um, in that data, you know, I think the first mindset shift that I had to make in even starting a connectivity company was understanding that in a 3PL environment um, where I came from, that the employees of a retail brand, let's just say, um, are not the company. The company is not defined by who gets the payroll check. It's all of the participants to deliver the value to the consumer, right? Right. So opening up your conversations and elevating the conversations with everyone who's in your extended company in that value chain, right? Or that value network, since we shouldn't yeah. use the word chain anymore, right. um, in that value network and exposing them to data that they may not need to do their job right now, but they can use to... Um, you know, uh, we were just onboarding a um, shipper for a forwarder with an electronic data integration. We said, let's give the forwarder all the PO information. And then, well, they're not really doing PO management. We said, but they're going to use that for labor planning for next for next peak. Yeah. Right? That they're going to know mm -hmm. four months in advance. I can't, you know, I need to be staffed for X because you're going to give them the PO data, even if they don't even load it into their system and they're just looking at it on a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. You know, I've literally seen a situation where, you know, I, I worked for a company and our JFK office was short staffed in August because we didn't have enough projections to the volumes that our customers were going to give us. And so exposing more information electronically to your extended network just creates opportunities for people to do things with it that you didn't even think about. Exactly. Exactly. Things that we're not even thinking about that are, aren't even on our radar. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And your ethos at Chain.io is really around collaboration. Like you have everybody talking to everybody about all sorts of different things. So tell us a little bit about how you created that ethos and made sure that collaboration was top of mind. So we started with the premise of get the right data to the right person at the right time. Okay. And said, if you can do that, if you can get the information in front of the right person at the right time, or even at this point with AI, the right system at the right time, then all of these emergent opportunities can happen. Yeah. In order to do that, you need to meet people and systems and companies where they are. Mm 
So -hmm. there's no reason to take, uh, you know, a brand new API from some hot startup and give it to a department of people who've been working on the same ERP for 40 years and don't know what an API is. Right. So what we figured out was that our best fit in the industry and our role is to be that Google Translate in the middle and say, if you, if you put these groups that don't either aren't aligned because they don't understand the same business terminology or they're not aligned because they're working on a different tech level, run it through a system so that the COBOL programmer can deal with it in COBOL and the API programmer can deal with it in API and the person who only understands marketing tech can get data in marketing speak while the person who's doing supply chain can give them the data in terms of bills of lading and, and uh, you know, purchase order lines. And so our job is to sit in the middle and make all of those things fit together. Uh, that gives me goosebumps. I've been talking about that forever. <laughs> Meet them where they are. Give them the language that they speak. I mean, that is super, super important. It's no wonder you guys are so successful. Now, I want to ask you, I know nobody has a crystal ball. But I'm going to ask you anyways, because I think you probably have the best crystal ball out of everybody. <laughs> um, but and, and I know, like you've said that it's going to be a long time before we're anywhere near calmer waters. Unfortunately, I totally agree with you. I mean, Costco has leased vessels until the end of 2022, if that's any indication. <laughs> but what do you think we can expect to see over the next few months um, or even into the new year? I mean, what what, what are we going to do? So I think what we're going to do is start to settle into the fact that we don't live in the same world we lived in five years ago. We're still uh, doing that? I mean, it's well, well, well okay. It, let, let, me, let me put it this way. In the sense that I don't, I really don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you whether next summer is going to be as bad as this summer. And I, I think anybody who does is, you know, is, is probably, you know, guessing or, or has something to sell. Yeah. Uh, but what I can say is that, the world that we lived in that was a stable economic, stable political, stable um, uh, environmental base that then created a very predictable supply chain, I don't think that world exists anymore. Mm. And so I think the question is not how do we ride out the storm, but how do we rebaseline our expectations and how do we rebaseline the way we build our supply chains around a world that is less predictable mm -hmm. and that probably more accurately reflects the true costs all along. There were lots of people like carriers losing lots of money for a lot of years, you yeah. know, and, and whether it's right that they're making a lot of money now is a different question. But I think we were hiding a lot of economic costs that now are all certainly on the surface. Uh, yeah. So I think the question is, how do you rebaseline towards a world that has more chaos in it as yeah. opposed to a world that is more s stable, which is where we were? Well, and rebalancing, I think, might also be a good yes. word in there as well. Because like you said, if we were so skewed one way prior to, we need to, and we're so skewed the other right now, there needs to be some sort of rebalancing that happens, but we're not going to go back to what that looked like previously. And so I don't want to leave people scared. I want to end on some positive notes. So um, what are some words of encouragement for how we can all not just survive, but thrive? 
survive during and after this period of huge disruption? I think probably the the thing. So you sent me this question a week ago, and I've been thinking about <laughs> it since. Uh, honestly, remember that everything is relative. So if your container is not moving and your competitor's container is not moving and you can be a little bit more efficient or a little bit more effective, that's going to make a big difference. So don't compare yourself to yourself in 2018. Compare yourself to the rest of the industry and to your competition now. Uh, You know, the fact that you're spending 10x and they're spending 11x, you're kind of winning doesn't feel like that, but right. like, remember that we're all in this and that this is not, you know, like having a, you know, a financial or environmental scandal inside your one company where it's, it's a crisis and you've diverted from the world. Like consumers understand you're not going to be the only ones with stockouts. You're not going to be the only ones with, with costs. So, you know, don't internalize it the same way you would if it was only your company going through it. That is amazing advice. And I would also just add on to that C-suite. Get your hands dirty. Get into the supply chain team and see what they're dealing with. Because I think a lot of some of those pressures come from being like come from internal and maybe not quite understanding what you just said. And give them a hug. Yes. They've earned a hug. They have earned a hug and they have earned your empathy. And I think we all just need a little bit more of that. Well, uh, Brian, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Um, All over LinkedIn and uh, check us out at chain.io. Love it. Amazing. I knew you wouldn't let me down. I mean, yes, as an industry, we have some issues. We have some things to work out, but we are such a dynamic, resilient, and creative bunch. And there are so many things we can do, people we can work with, ideas we can explore to really turn the tables in 2022. So as always, it's going to be hard work, but that's what us supply chainers are built for. And the more we can have conversations like this one to keep tossing out ideas and supporting the community, the more successful we will all be. So, Brian, it's been a pleasure as always, and I cannot wait to do it sometime again soon. Thank you. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach in the global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. If you are having a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had solutions on our show. So utilize the category filter over there and look up the category that you are looking for. And then you can check out the companies that we've had on our show that could be the solution for you. 
And remember to come back next week when I'll be joined by Shabzi Levy, founder and CEO at Shiffle. We'll be chatting all about the company, what they do, the importance of collaboration and visibility in supply chain, and the future of freight forwarding. It's going to be a great episode that you do not want to miss. And of course, if you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also follow us on TikTok and Clubhouse and subscribe to us over on YouTube, the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube page, and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. I have also just launched my personal LinkedIn newsletter called The Monthly Hustle. So head over and subscribe to that over on LinkedIn as well. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.